Hey people, welcome to the podcast. Study with this Imran. Today we gonna complete the chapter six of grade twelve biology, that is molecular basis of inheritance. Make sure you people have your NCERT open by your side for your clear reference. Open page number ninety five. And here we go. In the previous chapter, we have learned the inheritance patent and the genetic basis of such patents. At the time of Mendel, the nature of those factors regulating the patent of inheritance wasn't clear. Over the next hundred years, the nature of putative gender, uh, genetic material was investigated, culminating in the realization that the DNA, which is deoxyribonucleic acid, is the genetic material, at least for the majority of organisms. In grade 11, we have learned that the nucleic acids are the polymers of nucleotides. DNA and the RNA are the two types of nucleic acid found in the living systems. Now, very important lines are coming up, so make sure you have your ears open. Okay. DNA acts as the genetic material in most of the organism. RNA, though, it also acts as a genetic material in some viruses. In some viruses, okay, mostly mostly function as a messenger RNA, uh, messenger RNA, and either uh, ma- most of the cases it acts as a messenger. And RNA also has some additional roles as well. It also function as a adapter, uh, structural, and in some cases as a catalytic molecule. If you ask me, uh, how is an adapter molecule? Then that will be the tRNA. If you ask me, how catalytic molecule? Then it will be uh, riboenzyme, isn't it? Now, in grade eleventh, we have learned the structures of nucleotide and the way these monomer units are linked to form a nucleic acid polymers. In the chapter biomolecules, we learned this. In this chapter, we are going to discuss the structure of DNA, its replication, the process of making RNA from DNA, that is the transcription, the genetic code that determines the sequence of amino acid and proteins, the process of protein synthesis, that is the translation, and elementary basis of that regulation. Now, the determination of complete nucleotide sequence of a human human genome it is also discussed during the last segment of this chapter uh, now let us begin our discussion by the first understanding the structure of the most interesting molecule in the living system that is not another the dna in the subsequent sections we will understand that why it is the most abundant genetic material and what is its relation with rna as well so now let's see what is the dna actually so DNA is a long polymer. Sorry, DNA is a long polymer of a deoxyribonucleotide. The length of the DNA is the length of the DNA is usually defined as a number of nucleotides or a pair of nucleotides referred to as a base pairs present in it. Okay, it depends upon the number of base pairs okay this also is the characteristic of an organism for example now very important content is coming here just keep this thing in your mind bacteriophage known as lambda into 174 it has 5386 nucleotide what 5386 nucleotide quite fair enough now Bacteriophage lambda. It has about four, eight, five, zero, two base pairs. The MCQ may come, so keep this number in your mind. The uh, Escherichia coli. It has around four point six into ten to the power six base pair, and the haploid content of a human DNA is around three point three into ten to the power nine base pair. Now let us discuss the structure of such a long polymer. 
okay now let's see the structure of a polynucleotide chain now let us re- com- recapitulate the chemical structure of polynucleotide chain uh, dna or the rna a uh, nucleotide has the three components first is the nitrogenous base second is the pentose sugar uh, or you can say the ribose in case of rna and sorry people sorry 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 and the deoxyribose in case of uh, dna it's and uh, and the phosphate group as well is seen in case of nucleotides now there are two types of nitrogen bases first is the purine and the second is the pyrimidine purine is adenine and guanine and pyrimidine are cytosine uracil and thymine here is one hack most of the time we get confused like uh, what comes under purine and what comes under pyrimidine we might exchange both the stuff so here is the hack listen to me carefully purine pyrimidine which word is longest obviously common sense pyrimidine is quite long so it has three things uh, and if you just remember these three things like uh, these are uracil cytosine and thymosine then purine is a short uh, short term compared to the pyrimidine so it has the two base pairs including two nitrogen two nitrogenous base pair including adenine and what adenine and what what else adenine and what else good adenine and guanine now cytosine is common for both dna and rna and thymine is present in dna but uracil is present in rna at the place of thymine so you will see ATGC pair in case of DNA and in case of RNA you will see AUGC because uh, cytosine is common in both DNA and RNA but in case of RNA uh, uracil replace uh, thymosin okay now what next a nitrogenous base is linked to the OH okay nitrogenous base is linked to the oh of first carbon pentose sugar through n glycosidic base is linked uh, sorry a nitrogenous base is linked to the oh of the first carbon pentose sugar through n glycosidic linkage to form a nucleoside such as adenosine and deoxyadenosine guanosine or the deoxyguanosine cytidine or deoxyguanosine uh, or so and and so on when a phosphate group is linked to oh of the fifth carbon of a nucleotide through a phosphodiester linkage a corresponding nucleotide or the deoxyl nucleotide depending upon the type of sugar present it gets formed see but if in if in case phosphate groups attached gets attached to the fifth uh, link to the oh of the fifth carbon then in that case we get a nucleotide but if in case uh, um this uh, when uh, in for when nitrogenous base is linked to the first carbon of the pentose sugar for oh of the first carbon of the pentose sugar listen to me carefully when new nitrogenous base pair is attached to the first oh, first carbons oh group then it forms nucleoside when in that same uh, same pentose sugar and uh, nitrogenous base at the fifth position of uh, oh carbon of uh, pentose sugar when phosphate group 2 attaches there then we form a nucleotide so basically nucleotide is the sum of phosphate group nitrogenous pair and the pentose sugar 
isn't it quite simple though now uh, when a phosphate group is linked to the oh fifth oh to the fifth carbon of a nucleoside through phosphodiester linkage see it means that you can clearly see that phosphate is attached to the alcohol group now by the uh, by the linkage known as phosphoester linkage a corresponding nucleotide or the deoxynucleotide depending upon the type of sugar present is formed so uh, that's it two nucleotide are linked through 3 prime 5 phosphodiester linkage to form a dinucleotide more nucleotides can be joined how they are linked by 3 prime and 5 prime phosphodiester linkage uh, you can uh, see that in the diagram so clearly see two nucleotides are linked through the three prime or five prime phosphodiester linkage remember this term a question may directly come like choose how many statements are correct and this statement may be given there to form a dinucleotide more nucleotides can be joined in such a manner to form a polynucleotide chain a polymer thus formed has at one of the one and three phosphate Moiety and at the five at five prime end of sugar, which is referred to as a five prime end of a polynucleotide chain. Now I I I I would like to I am just like uh, giving you two to three points to note down at the space given uh, aside that phosphodiester bond is between the sugar and the phosphate. Okay, phosphodiester bond is between the sugar and the phosphate. like the fifth oh of the pentose sugar and the phosphate group we see the phosphodiester bond second is the glycosidic bond which is between the sugar and the nitrogenous base which is uh, seen at the first position uh, first oh of the pentose sugar and the third thing is the hydrogen bond which is between the two bases like a t g c etc etc you you will come across the uh two hydrogen bond in case of in between at and three hydrogen bonds in case in between g and c you people won't believe like this question is so silly and this question was asked in neat 2020 like uh, how many bonds are between at and gc i was having a clear reference like i was aware about it like uh, yes a, between at there are two hydrogen bonds and between gc uh, there are three hydrogen bonds but you people won't believe like i did a blunder while writing an exam what i did was you people will laugh literally uh, i i actually did a blunder there i wrote at is one bond and uh, gc there are two hydrogen bonds and after attempting a paper when i came back home i was just uh, referring to the question paper and i'm like what what i did actually it was at two double uh, double bond and gc triple bond it was just because of uh, you know anxiety and all otherwise i was uh, aware of it like at is two bond and through gc is triple bond so it happens so just take care of it now similarly at the other end of a polymer the sugar has a free oh of a three third carbon group which is referred to as a three prime and of the polynucleotide chain the backbone of the polynucleotide chain is formed due to the sugar and the phosphates okay so this is also the important line the backbone of the polynucleotide chain is formed by the uh, formed due to the sugar and the phosphate and the nitrogenous base is linked to the sugar moiety project from the big bone 
okay now in rna every nucleotide residue has an individual oh, sorry it has an additional oh group present at a two prime position in the ribose also in rna the uracil is found at the place of thymine which is 5 methyl uracil remember this huh? the chemical name of uh, thymine which is 5 methyl uracil just you will get the extra methyl uh, in play except uh, uh, the uracil group in case of thymine another chemical name of for thymine is 5 methyl uracil dna is an acidic substance present in nucleus was first identified by the friedrich mischer in the year 1869 he named it as a nuclein however due to the technical limitation in isolating such a long polymer intake the allocation of structure of dna remained exclusive for a very long period of time it was only in the 1953 that the james watson and the fred frankis crick based on the x-ray diffraction data produced by the murick wilkins and the rosalind franklin proposed a very simple but the famous double helix model for the structure of a dna now remember the name of the scientists which are given over here see uh, what is written over here is friedrich mischer he named uh, nuclein he gave a name nuclein to the dna however due to the technical limitation this uh, james watson and uh, uh, frankis crick gave the fa- very famous uh, model which is double helix by using the diffraction data which were produced by Morris Wilkins and Rosalind Franklin so without the work of Wilkins and Franklin this Watson and Crick were no, would not have uh, uh, would not have formed any kind of model you know so they were they got success because of this uh, uh, Rosalind Franklin and Morris Wilkins Okay now one of the hallmarks of their pro- 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 proposition was based pairing between the two strands of polynucleotide chains however this preposition proposition was also based on the con- observation of Edwin Chargaff that for the double stranded dna the ratio between ad sorry at and g c are constant and equal so basically the thing is a plus t equals to g plus c now zigzag kind of dna uh, you want to find every time double helix model but uh, mm, uh, in uh, when there is a z kind of z z dna that you will find the zigzag kind of dna okay now uh, beta helix dna there are also the type of dna like alpha helix dna then beta helix dna etc etc but among them uh, beta helix dna structure is uh, most common one and uh, it includes the 10 base pair in one Uh, what we can say in one cycle okay this uh, number of base pair may vary uh, every cycle uh, depending upon the type of dna but in case of beta helix you will find the 10 base pair which is a general form which uh, we only come across quite popular or quite popular one isn't it now the base pairing confers a very unique property to the polynucleotide chains they are said to be complementary to each other and therefore the various uh, there were the sequence of bases in uh, just a second just a second people uh, i'm sorry mm, yeah now here we go uh, they are said to be complementary to each other and therefore if the sequence of bases in one strand is known then the sequence in the other strand can be pro- predicted quite understandable right? uh, if there is a uh, if there is uh, a on the either side then for sure t will be there on the other side now in case of dna in case of rna it would be a on the either side and u on the other side 
and uh, also if we strand from the dna let us call it as a parental dna act as a template for synthesis of new dna the two double stranded dna let us call them as dotted dna thus produced would be identical to the parental dna molecule of course common sense because of this the genetic imp- uh, genetic uh, implications of the structure of dna become very clear quite understandable now phosphodiester bond now just point for your reference just hear me phosphodiester bond is the strongest in dna virus while hydrogen bond is the weakest like the bond present in the fifth uh, oh group of pentose sugar and the phosphate group is the uh, strongest bond and uh, the hydrogen bond present between the two nitrogenous base pair is the uh, weakest one now let's discuss the salient feature of the double helix structure of dna which are as follows it is made up of two polynucleotide chains where the backbone is constituted by a sugar phosphate and the base is product inside the two chains have anti parallel polarity it means if one chain has the polarity 5 prime to 3 prime then the other has the polarity of around 3 prime to 5 prime like completely opposite you know the bases in two strands are paired through the hydrogen bond uh, forming a base pair pairs adenine forms two hydrogen bond with thymine uh, forming uh, from opposite strand and vice versa similarly the guanine is bonded with cytosine with three hydrogen bonds as a result always uh, purine comes opposite to the pyrimidine this is the quite understandable row low this uh, generates approximately uniform distance between the two strands of the helix okay now the two chains are coiled in a right hand a right handed fashion right handed fashion means anti clockwise it it's not clockwise right handed fashion it means it's anti clockwise the pitch of the helix is around 3.4 nanometer and uh, what is nanometer it is 1 billionth of the meter and that is 10 to the power minus 9 meter and there are roughly 10 to 10 base pairs in each uh, uh what we can say in uh, each turn consequently the distance between a base pair uh, in a helix is approximately 0.34 nanometer see what is written here between the consequent distance between the bases like if there uh, are 10 bases and uh, the distance of the 10 bases is uh, 3.4 nanometer then obviously for the distance uh, obviously the distance between the two particular base pair would be Uh, 0.34 quite clear now the diameter of this dna is around 2 nanometer or you can say the 20 angstroms okay now uh, let's move forward as well what's there now the fifth point the plane of one base pair stacks over the other in a double helix this in addition to the hydrogen bond confirms stability of the helical structure so the plane of one base pair stacks over the other in a double helix it the stake like a stable like formation makes them uh, more stable enough okay so you can check this uh, figure 6.2 that uh, glycosidic bond is clearly visible hydrogen bonds are clearly visible phosphodiester bonds are clearly visible so just have a look there okay now if you talk about this uh, figure 6.3 then there is a dna double helix structure you can see the sugar phosphate backbone gone in cytosine adenine thymine etc etc okay now the proposition of a double helix structure of structure for dna and its simplicity to explaining the genetic implication because revolutionary very soon frank is crick 
proposed the central dogma in molecular biology which very important line ah who proposed the central dogma in biology so the answer is frank is correct every time if i walk wake you up wake you up at 2 uh, o'clock at 2 uh, o'clock in night you must be aware about the answer like uh, who proposed the center of dogma in molecular biology then your answer should be frank is correct simran okay then only i will get uh, what we can say uh, what is the term used uh, i will i got uh, um, impressed then only i will get impressed like if you will be able to answer question at any time whenever i ask you people so the answer is frank is correct Uh, he was the one who proposed the central dogma in molecular biology which says that the genetic information flows from dna from dna to rna and from rna to protein the process of getting conversion uh, process of conversion of dna to rna is considered as a transcription and the process of conversion of rna to protein is considered as a translation now in ca- some kind of viruses the flow of information is in reverse direction that is from rna to dna quite weird stuff you know rebel kind of stuff so that kind of uh, uh, transcription is considered as the reverse transcript is like the actual transcription is from dna to rna but in case of viruses it is happening completely opposite like from rna to dna therefore it is known as reverse transcription quite understandable isn't it now we're going to discuss the packaging of dna helix and uh, this uh, rna world this transforming principle etc etc in the uh, upcoming uh, segment till then keep studying now let's package this dna helix okay so we already know that uh, the distance between the two consecutive base pairs uh, is around 0.34 nanometer which is uh, 0.34 into 10 to the power minus 9 meter and uh, if the length of the dna or the double helix is a typical mammalian cell is cal- calculated then Uh, simply by multiplying the total number of base pair with distance between the two consecutive base pair that is 6.6 into 10 to the power 9 base pair into 0.34 into 10 to the power minus 9 meter per base pair it comes out to be approximately around 2.2 meters quite high isn't it so every cell contains around 2.2 meters of dna so you can imagine how long it would be uh, approximately around it would uh, uh, revolve around earth or revolve around the earth for at least three times yeah probably i guess this this is the uh, fact i i'm not sure about this fact but probably this is the correct one or else it is like uh, the dis- uh, three rounds between the uh, three rounds of the distance between earth and the sun just check it out if you are interested in this a length that is far greater than the dimension of a typical nucleus which is approximately about 10 to the power minus 6 meter then you will be like uh, if the nucleus is 10 to the power minus 6 meter but the material which is uh, present inside the nucleus is quite larger but it is packaged in such a way that it uh, uh, don't use much space okay so uh, there is co- uh, quite 
good packaging seen in case of dna with the help of this histone proteins now let's see uh, what it what actually happens in case of uh, prokaryotes such as e coli though they do not have any definite nucleus define nucleus the dna is not scattered throughout the cells dna being negatively charged it is held with some proteins that have a positive charges in a region termed as a nucleoid the dna of nucleoid is organized in a large groups held by a proteins okay now in case of eukaryotes this organization is much more complex and uh, there is a set of positively charged basic protein called as the histones and a protein acquire uh, acquires a charge depending upon the abundance of amino acids residues with the charge side chains now histones are rich in the basic amino acids residues like lysine and arginine quite important line okay uh, histones are rich in the amino acids like lysine and arginine both these amino acid residue carry a positive charges in their uh, side chains histones are organized to form a unit of eight molecule called a histone histone octamer and the negatively charged dna is wiped around the positively charged histone octamer to form a structure called as the nucleosome a typical nucleosome contains around 200 base pair of dna helix and uh, nucleosome constitute the repeating unit of a structure in a nucleus called as the chromatin uh, which is a thread like colored body seen in case of nucleus now the nucleosome is chromat uh, the nucleosome and chromatin are seen as a beads on a string like structure uh, when viewed under the electron microscope so basically inside dna you will find this nucleosome then you will find the chromatin and inside it you will find the chromatin fiber so basically there is quite good packaging seen the bead on seed structure in a chromatin is packaged to form a chromatin fibers that are further coiled and condensed at a metaphase stage of a cell division to form a chromosome quite fair enough the packaging of chromatin at the higher level requires an additional set of proteins that are collectively referred to as non histone chromosomal proteins so remember this mark this line the packaging of chromatin okay the packaging of chromatin not chromosome or any other thing the or not any dna the packaging of chromatin at a higher level requires an additional set of protein that collectively are referred to as the non histone proteins In a typical nucleus some regions of a chromatin are loosely packed and they stain light and they are referred to as the euchromatin and the chromatin that is more densely packed and stain dark are considered as the heterochromatin so the loosely packed one are the euchromatin or the darkly packed or the tightly packed one are the densely packed one are the heterochromatin Now, euchromatin is said to be transcriptionally active chromatin, whereas heterochromatin is inactive. Very important point to be noted. The question may come under the true/false condition, like uh, anything, uh, anything can come, you know. So just keep this in your mind. Like euchromatin is the one which is transcriptionally active, which can be used to convert uh, DNA to RNA, but this uh, heterochromatin can't. Now let's see uh, uh, the search. Let's talk about how this uh, DNA got discovered. How this DNA got discovered? 
even though the discovery of nuclein by mischer uh, and the proposition for the principle of inheritance by mendel were almost at the same time but that the dna acts as a genetic material took a long to be discovered and get proven in the year 1926 the question to determine the mechanism for uh, general inheritance so for genetic inheritance had reached the molecular level previous discoveries by gregor mendel walter sutton thomas hunt morgan and numerous others uh, scientists had narrowed the str- search of chromosome located in the nucleus of most of the cells but the question of what molecule was actually the genetic material it that wasn't answered yet everyone was confused so now uh, uh, we going to discuss few experiments so let's uh, uh, now this uh, transforming principle in 19, in the year 1928 this frederick griffith in a series of experiments with streptococcus pneumoniae which is a bacterium responsible for pneumonia witnessed the miraculous transformation in the bacteria during the course of experiment a living organism or the bacteria has changed in physical form when streptococcus pneumoniae or the pneumoniococcus bacteria are grown on a circular or a culture plate some produces a smooth shiny colonies while the other produces a rough colonies this is because the smooth uh, the smooth strain bacteria have a mucus which is a polysaccharide coat while the r strain does not that's why the s strain s strain one were more uh, what you can say uh, virulent compared to the r1 because they don't r1 does not have any kind of uh, protection uh, mice infected with uh, the strain or the virulent one die from the pneumonia infection but mice inf- uh, mice infected with the r strain do not develop pneumonia now why this happened because i explain to you people now let's re- let's re- read the stuff given further griffith was able to kill bacteria by heating them he observed that he heat kill s strain bacteria injected into the mice did not kill them when injected a mixture of heat killed s and uh, live r bacteria the mice died moreover he recovered the living s bacteria from the dead mice quite understandable now he concluded that the r strain bacteria had somehow been transformed by the heat kill s strain bacteria some transforming principle transferred from the heat kill s strain had enabled the r strain to synthesize a smooth polysaccharide and become a virulent this is most this must be due to the transfer of the genetic material however the biochemical nature of genetic material was not defined from this experiment so this uh, r strain and the s strain one experiment was conducted by uh, frederick frederick griffith in the year 1928 so keep this in the mind that uh, griffith did this a practical in the year 1928 now let's see this biochemical characteristics of uh, transforming principle prior to the work of oswald every colin mackald and mclean uh, mccarty in the between year 1933 to 44 the genetic material was thought to be a protein okay it was um, uh, it was just thought that 
protein can be the genetic material it was like uh, quite high in weightage as well now they work to determine the biochemical nature of a transforming principle in a grafitch experiment what they did was they purified the biochemicals like protein dna rna etc from the heat killed s cell to see which one could transform life r cells into the s cells they discovered that dna alone from from five uh, alone from s bacteria caused r bacteria to become transformed then uh, they also discovered uh, that protein digesting enzyme or the protease and the rna digesting enzyme or the rnas did not affected the transformation so the transforming substance was not a protein or rna digestion with dna did inhibit transformation suggesting that the dna caused the transformation therefore they concluded that the dna is the hereditary material but not all biologists were convinced at that time so basically uh this mccarty and oswald every and colin mccloyd they identified the transforming principle in the year 1930 to 1944 now let's see this genetic material uh how is this the dna the genetic material in the next segment so in the last segment we basically concluded that uh, though there were these three scientists named as uh, mccarty mac uh, uh sorry mccarty macleod and this uh, overy oswald everry sorry not overy oswald everry they uh, did perform the experiment on this uh, uh what we can say um, they worked upon this uh heat killed uh, like they 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 supported this what we can say this griffith experiment but still no one was believing them then finally this hershey and chase came into the picture they performed the experiment on this uh, bacteriophage and let's see how they performed everything so let's uh, start with the genetic material how G- dna was proved as the genetic material the unequivocal proof that the dna's genetic material came from the experiments of alford Hershey and uh, Martha Chase in the year 1952 make sure that you people remember the year but uh, we will conclude all this year at the end of the chapter so no worries they they what they they did what they did was they worked with viruses that infect bacteria called as the bacteriophages so affected sorry bacteriophages the bacteriophage attaches to the bacteria and its genetic material that enters the bacteria cell the bacterial cell treats the viral genetic material as if it was its own and subsequently manufactures more virus particles hershey and chase worked to discover whether it was a protein or dna from the virus that entered the bacteria they grew some virus on a medium that contained the radioactive phosphorus and some other on a medium that contained the radioactive sulfur virus is grown in the presence of radioactive phosphorus contained radioactive dna but not a radioactive protein because dna contains phosphorus but protein doesn't similarly virus is grown on a radioactive sulfur contain radioactive protein but not the radioactive dna because dna does not contain sulfur this 
Deoactive phages were allowed to attach to E. coli bacteria. Then, as the infection proceeded, the viral coats were removed from the bacteria by agitating them in a blender. The virus particles were separated from the bacteria by spinning them in a centrifuge. Bacteria which was infected with a virus that had a radioactive DNA were radioactive, indicating that the DNA was the material that passed on from the virus to the bacteria. Bacteria that were infected with viruses that radioactive proteins were not radioactive. This indicated that proteins did not enter the bacteria from the virus. DNA is therefore genetic material that is passed from virus to the bacteria. Now it's time to conclude like what they actually perform. Let me uh, explain, uh, let me try to explain you this uh, experiment in on my own words. So see, uh, what these two scientists Hershey and Chase did, they took, uh, they, uh, they grew some few, uh, they grew some viruses uh, in a two separate mediums. One contained this radioactive sulfur and one contained the radioactive phosphorus. Those viruses which were uh, uh, grown in radioactive sulfur medium, they were having this uh, protein as a uh, protein a radioactive protein but those which were grown under this radioactive phosphorus medium they were having their uh, dna shining one red uh, dna was that their dna was radioactive so uh, when they transformed this viruses into the bacteriophage what they found was those bacteria were uh, those bacteria which were infected were having this uh, uh, radioactive dna but not the radioactive phosphorus uh, the uh, viruses uh, the viruses, uh, what we can say, infecting bacteriophage uh, coming from this uh, radioactive sulfur medium, two were getting infected, but they weren't. Uh, they were not having uh, radioactive DNA because they, in that case their uh, protein was uh, what we can say radioactive. So this clearly proved that uh, DNA is a uh, genetic material which was getting actually transferred because. Uh, the radioactivity was clearly seen in case where uh, the viruses were grown on in uh, radioactive phosphorus medium but not in the sulfur medium so this proved like this infection stage this blending stage and the centrifugation step this three step actually concluded that dna was the genetic material not the protein quite fair enough isn't it now let's see the properties of genetic material. Let's discuss the battle DNA versus RNA. From the foregoing discussion, it is clear that the debate between the protein versus DNA as the genetic material was unequally resolved from the Hershey and Chase experiment. It became an established fact that it is a DNA that acts as a genetic material. However, it subsequently became clear that in some viruses, RNA is the genetic material. For example, in the tobacco mosaic virus, remember this, huh? tobacco mosaic virus, QB bacteriophage, they have RNA as the genetic material. Now and it's time to answer some of the questions such as why DNA is the genetic material. Whereas RNA too performs the dynamic functions of messenger, adapter and uh, it has to be uh, it has to be uh, found the difference between the chemical structure of these two nucleic acid molecules. So why RNA is not the genetic material? Why is DNA considered as a genetic material in, in uh, most of the organisms so let's see can you recall the two chemical difference between the dna and rna obviously we're gonna discuss them in the later section let's see what are they a molecule that can act as a genetic material must fulfill the 
see uh, better we conclude the two differences by our own see uh, dna has a common difference dna contains this uh, deoxy ribose sugar and this rna contains a ribose sugar what is the difference is dna contains this adenine and thymine pair but this uh, rna contains the adenine and uracil pair so these are the two differences which uh, currently i have on my mind okay a molecule that can act as a genetic material must fulfill the following criteria it should be able to generate its replica it should be stable chemically and structurally it should provide the scope for slow changes or the mutation that are required for evolution it should be able to express itself in the form of mendelian characters if one example examines each requirement one by one because of the rule of base pairing and complementary both the nucleic acid dna and the rna have the ability to direct the duplications the other molecules in the living system such as protein fail to fulfill the first criteria itself like protein can't duplicate by their own so that's why the first criteria is uh, even for even the first criteria isn't fulfilled by the protein so hence it is not the genetic material the genetic material should be stable enough not to change with the different stages of life life cycle age or with the change in the physiology of the organism like whether the organism is in the juvenile stage whether in the reproductive stage or in the senescent stage that the kind or the structure of dna should must remain same stability is one of the property of genetic material which was evident in griffith's transforming experiment itself that the heat which killed the bacteria at least did not destroy some of the properties of this genetic material now this now can be easily explained in the light of dna the two strands being complementary if separated by heating come together when appropriate conditions were proved like uh, dna too gets degenerated but forms again this complementary strands when the favorable conditions are provided for the two prime oh group present at every nucleotide in rna is a reactive group and makes rna labile and easily degradable hence it is uh, hence we can see that it uh, rna is the catalytic ones catalytic one and hence reactive therefore dna chemical dna chemical is less reactive and structurally more stable when compared to the rna because rna isn't that stable compared to the dna it reacts quite enough like the second uh, two prime oh group presented that every nucleotides are quite reactive okay therefore among the two nucleic acid the dna is better genetic material that's why uh, found in most of the organisms now in fact the presence of a thymine at the place of uracil also confirms the additional stability to the dna uh, we will discuss about this uh, uh, stability and all the presence of thymine in place of uracil in our higher classes both dna and the rna are able to mutate in fact rna being unstable mutated at a faster rate that's the issue like currently the issues are uh, issue is of uh, currently this pandemic of coronavirus is because uh, it contains rna as a genetic material and rna being unstable getting uh, it it gets muted at a very fast rate so that's uh, quite issue it's quite difficult to uh, recognize their uh, sequence so yeah this mutation it's salt in a burning area consequently viruses having rna genome and having a shorter lifespan mutate and evolve faster and that's not good for us rna can directly code for the synthesis of protein hence can easily express the characters dna 
however is dependent on rna for synthesis of proteins like we already we we will learn this in the process of transcription the protein synthesizing machinery has evolved around rna the above discussion indicates that both rna and dna can function as a genetic material but this dna being more stable is preferred for storage of genetic information so for the trans- transmission of genetic information rna is quite better in case of transmission of genetic information because it uh, directly forms protein but is uh, dna is independent uh, uh, dna is dependent on rna to form proteins now let's uh, talk about this uh, rna world from foregoing discussion and immediate question becomes evident which is the first genetic material obviously when the when this evolution was going all around probably this rna would be the genetic material um uh, because uh, we will discuss this right now okay it shall be discussed in detail in the chapter on chemical evolution but briefly we shall we shall highlight some of the facts and points so yeah rna was the first genetic material remember this okay underline this rna was the first genetic material there is now enough evidence to suggest that essential life processes such as metabolism translation splicing etc evolved around rna rna used to act as a genetic material as well as a catalyst there are some uh important biochemical reaction in a living system that are catalyzed by rna catalyst and not by the protein enzymes but rna being a catalyst was a reactive and hence unstable therefore dna has evolved from rna with chemical modification that make it more stable dna being a double stranded and having a complementary strands for the resist changes by evolving a process of repairing as well now Let's discuss the uh, replication section now. There are basically the three steps uh, involved in synthesis of protein. First would be this replication, where DNA is replicated, and le- we will we will discuss how it is replicated. Then, uh, then the second thing is uh, tra- transcription, and then the uh, where DNA is converted into. Th- double stranded dna from double stranded dna rna is synthesized and that is considered as the transcription and then comes this uh, translation into picture where this rna is synthesized into proteins so let's discuss this replication while proposing the double helical structure for dna watson crick come into the picture here had immediately proposed a scheme for application of dna to code their original statement which is as follows remember this statement okay it has not except escaped our notice that the specific pairing we have postulated immediately suggests a possible copying mechanism for the genetic material watson and crick in the year 1953 they said this like uh, this uh, copying mechanism like what we can say the pairing mechanism which was like a t g c this uh, and uh, chargaff rule and all this was based on this complex uh, what we can say this uh, opposite kind of pairing so come up for sure there must be some mecha- there must be mechanism behind it to uh, duplicate it isn't it the scheme suggested that the two strands would separate and act as a template for the synthesis of a new complementary strands so basically uh, dna contains a two strand these two strands get unwind with the help of enzyme 
helic case and uh, these two strands unwind and uh, they uh, this unwinded strands uh, act independently as a template strand and uh, they synthesize the new dna uh, new sequence of dna which uh, is semi what we can say um we will see that in the later section semi conservation we will see in the later section okay this this scheme suggested that the two strands would separate and act as a template for the synthesis of the complementary strands after the completion of uh, completion of replication each dna molecule would have one parental and one newly synthesized strand this scheme was termed as a semi conservative dna replication now see what is happening over here is each dna molecule would have one key one parental and one newly synthesized strand and this scheme was termed as the semi conservative see uh, consider there are two strands of dna they got unwind okay so we got we will get two independent strands now see these two independent strands are the parental uh, part of parental dna isn't it now this parental dna will get replicated uh, with the help of uh, some kind of mechanism uh, like a uh, replication process will uh, take place and uh, so their uh, opposite uh, what we can say um, opposite pairs or the opposite base pair will attach them and form a new uh, new strand which will be complementary to the parental strand so basically what is happening is we will see that half of the dna is the part of the parental dna and the half is newly synthesized so we can say that it is a semi conservative type like uh, 50% is preserved and 50% is newly synthesized isn't it you can clearly understand now i i i, I try to uh, break this words in a sim- simple statement i try to broke this statement into simple words now let's see this uh, how this was experimentally proven that uh, the uh, dna uh, follows the semi conservative rule so let's see it is now proven that the dna replicates semi conservatively it was shown first in escherichia coli and subsequently in higher organism as well such as uh, plants and uh, human cells as well so this uh, matthew Mich- M- uh, messelson and this uh, franklin stoll performed the following experiment in the year 1958 so after independence like after our independence in the year 1950 after our independence independence was in 1947 so in the year 1958 they performed one experiment on e coli like what they did was they grew e coli in a medium containing uh, 15 nh4 cl where 15 n is the heavy isotope of nitrogen okay Uh, is the only nitrogen source for many generation the result was that uh, this heavy nitrogen was incorporated into newly synthesized dna as well as the other nitrogen containing compounds this heavy dna molecule could be distinguished from the normal dna by centrifugation in a cesium chloride density gradient so uh, now remember it wasn't radioactive one it was based on the difference in densities okay uh, they were identified based on the density okay then they transport the cell into a medium with a normal uh, nh ammonium chloride and they took a sample at various definite time interval as the cells multiply and extracted the dna that remained as a double stranded helix the various samples were 
separated independently on a cesium chloride gradients to measure the density of a dna so uh, what thus the dna that was extracted from the culture one generation of the transfer from uh, heavy nitrogen to the normal nitrogen medium that is after 20 minutes in case of e coli like we already know that replication period in case of e coli is uh, 20 minutes the had a hybrid or intermediate intermediate density dna extracted from the culture after another generation that is after 40 minutes uh, that was the second generation was uh composed of equal amount of this hybrid dna and of the light dna okay now very similar experiments involving use of radioactive thymine to detect the distribution of newly synthesized dna in the chromosome was performed on vicia faba which is the faba beans and by taylor and colleagues in the year 1958 so uh, this uh, experiment in on, experiment on e coli was performed in the year 1980 1958 and in the same year this uh, taylor and its colleagues to perform the experiment on vicia faba to uh, to trying to oppose this uh, e coli but uh, the experiment resulted in their support like they too proved that dna was the dna in the chromosome was replicating semi conservatively now let's conclude this experiment by uh, looking at this diagram see what they did was uh, they they grew this e coli in the fifth, uh, firstly they took the 15 nitrogen dna and they incorporated that into the e coli which was having this 14 n nitrogen so what they found was in the next generation they found 50% uh, the they found uh, what we can say the recombinant or the hybrid kind of dna which was containing one strand which was having 14% uh, 14 n nitrogen and the another strand which was having the 15 n nitrogen which clearly proved that uh, uh, it is a semi conservation but to prove it uh, with uh, uh, more accuracy they 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 even uh, performed the experiment for the next generation or uh, second generation as well so what they concluded in the second generation was this hybrid dna was uh, uh, replicated and uh, what they found as a result was this hybrid dna was grown in medium containing uh, see with uh, and uh, this hybrid dna was uh, hybrid dna was transferred in the medium which contained this normal uh, normal nitrogen okay so common sense isn't it when this normal nitrogen will bind with uh, normal nitrogen uh, nitrogen one strand in case we will get the 14 n dna and when this normal nitrogen one strand will bind with the 15 nitrogen dna one strand then we will uh, get the hybrid dna quite easy stuff try to understand this diagram it's quite self explanatory just unwind see what you have to do is you have to perform the three steps first is unwind this dna and after unwinding try to form their complementary base pair make sure that you perform the complementary base pair depending upon the type of medium present like if there is 15 and medium then the replica uh, the complementary base pair should contain the 15 and nitrogen if the uh, if the medium is having this uh, for, uh, normal nitrogen then uh, pair it with the normal nitrogen see uh like uh, consider this hybrid one strand uh, 
if you will try to uh, unwind it what you will get is two strand one strand will contain this uh, 14 and nitrogen and the another strand contains a uh, 15 and nitrogen now we are putting this uh, hybrid dna in the medium which contains the normal nitrogen so how, uh, they gonna pair with this normal nitrogen so what we will get in the result is this 14 uh, unwinded 14 and nitrogen one strand will bind with the 14 and which was uh, which is present in the medium and will form the normal kind of dna which will contain 14 and nitrogen and 14 and nitrogen in both the strands but in the second case which was having this 15 and uh, second strand which is containing the 15 and nitrogen if it will bind with the 14 and nitrogen present in the medium it will form the hybrid dna quite common isn't it so this is what it is shown in this experiment which proved the semi conservative nature of dna it's quite understandable i was all uh, at first at the beginning of uh, when i read this chapter first time i was getting quite confused but now it's quite clear enough like uh, it's quite easy like just try to understand the thing like unwind it pair it with the kind of medium provided okay and you will get the result quite easily now it's time to move on now let's discuss this uh, Uh, the machinery and the enzymes like what are the enzyme involved in case of uh, replication dna replication in the semi conservative dna kind and all what's 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 actually uh, process of replication then we will discuss the transcription and uh, translation as well but uh, we will start this uh, uh, machinery and the enzymes in the in the next segment till that take care and keep studying So now let's discuss the mechanism behind this uh, replication process. So in living cells such as Escherichia coli, the process of replication requires a set of catalysts or enzymes you may say. The main enzyme is referred to as the DNA dependent DNA polymerase since it uses a DNA template to catalyze the polymerization of deoxynucleotides. These enzymes are highly efficient, uh, highly efficient enzyme as they have to catalyze polymerization of a large number of nucleotides in a very short time. Now, E coli that is only 4.6 into 10 to the power 6 base pair compare uh, compare it with human whose diploid content is around 6.6 into 10 to the power 9 sorry yeah 6.6 into 10 to the power 9 base pair like quite important numbers okay you have to keep this in mind like e coli have around uh, 4.6 into 10 to the power 6 base pairs human uh, diploid human has 6.6 into 10 to the power 9 base pair completes the process of replication means e coli completes the process of replication within the 18 minutes that means the average rate of polymerization has to be approximately 2000 base pair per second isn't it now not only do this polymerize have to be fast but they also have to catalyze the reaction with high degree of accuracy otherwise the result would be uh, mutation isn't it any mistake during replication would result into mutation exactly furthermore energetically replication is very expensive process deoxyribonucleoside triphosphate serve dual processes uh, dual purpose in addition 
to acting as a substrate they provide energy for polymerization reaction like the two terminal phosphates in a deoxynucleoside triphosphates are high energy phosphates same as in case of atp so here they are per- performing dual role now in addition to dna dependent dna polymerase many additional enzymes are required to complete the process of replication with high degree of accuracy obviously like it's a quite little complex process for a long dna molecule since two strands of dna cannot be separated in its entire length due to very high energy requirement the replication occurs with a small locking of the dna helix referred to as the replication fork the dna dependent dna polymerase catalyzes polymerization only in one direction that is 5 prime to 3 prime This creates some additional complications at the replicating fork. Consequently, on one strand, the template with the polarity 3 prime to 5 prime, uh, the replication is continuous. While on the other, the template with polarity 5 prime to 3 prime, it is discontinuous. The discontinuously synthesized fragments are later joined by the enzyme known as the DNA ligase, isn't it? Now. Uh, the dna polymerase on their own uh, cannot initiate the process of replication now see you people must be getting confused like if uh, dna is getting uh, replicated in 5 uh, 5 prime to 3 prime di- direction then uh, what is the issue with the template strand which is already 5 prime to 3 prime if 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 the template strand is 5 prime to 3 prime and the new synthesizing strand is also having the uh, what we can say uh, direction of 5 prime to 3 prime then imagine how it will work like both the strength both the strands cannot be of the uh, same direction like 5 prime to 3 prime and 5 prime prime to 3 prime this won't work so in that case the strands which are getting synthesized are not uh, too much accurate they are discontinuous and they are joined later with the enzyme known as dna ligase the dna polymerase on their own cannot initiate the process of replication for that they need uh, some kind of uh, signal Uh, okay okay now also the replication does not initiate randomly at any place in dna there is a definite region in e coli dna where the replicated where the replication originates such regions are termed as the origin of replication it is because of the requirement of the origin of replication that a piece of dna if needed to be propagated during recombinant dna procedures require a vector the vector provides the origin of replication like there should uh, uh, with the help of this origin of replication one can synthesize the uh there there required kind of dna you know we can uh, have our uh, own qualities uh, present inside the dna uh, so origin of replication makes our life quite easier further not every detail of replication is understood well in eukaryotes the replication of dna takes place at the s phase of the cell cycle we already learned in the chapter number 9 of grade 11 the replication of dna and cell division cycle should be highly coordinated quite common quite makes sense 
a failure in a cell division after a dna replication result into a polyploidy a th- chromosomal ab- anomaly like uh, you can see this uh, in case of uh, 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 down syndrome which is trisomy of 21 number chromosome kleinfelter fel- syndrome in which you see xx and y condition so there can be the polyploidy condition okay you will learn that the detailed nature of origin and the process occurring at the site in the higher classes so you can see this uh, diagram of replication fork how this is working see there is a there are two uh, there are two template uh, parental strands one is running from 5 prime to 3 prime and the another one is again running from the 3 prime to 5 prime so we know that uh, the 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 this a newly synthesized strand is uh, dna gets synthesized from the 5 prime to 3 prime and that is the continuous synthesis see uh, and this uh, discontinuous synthesis is from the 3 prime to 5 prime direction see what was written over here is let's read uh, that paragraph again the dna dependent dna polymerase catalyzes polymerization on, uh, only in one direction that is 5 prime to 3 prime this creates some additional complications at the replicating fork consequently on one strand the template with polarity 3 prime to 5 prime the replication is continuous quite okay the template with polarity 3 prime to 5 prime is continuous while on the other the template with the polarity 5 prime to 3 prime it is discontinuous it means like uh, this number or this direction are quite confusing but make sure that you people are uh, very clear with it okay see they are take considering uh, look at the diagram okay they are considering the direction from below to uh, bottom to top okay so from uh, we know that uh, this synthesize occurs from in one direction that is 5 prime to 3 prime so it will work for the condition where the template strand is having the direction 3 prime to 5 prime like from bottom to top you can see like 3 prime to 5 prime it will have 5 prime to 3 prime direction and that will be continuous one okay i hope you are uh, relating this stuff okay and in the second strand uh, from bottom to top we when we go from bottom to top we see 5 prime to 3 prime direction and in that case the synthesis is like little opposite one from 3 prime to 5 prime and that's why that is little discontinuous when we we see the okazaki fragments there which are later uh, joined together with the help of enzyme known as the dna ligase okay i i i hope you people understood the stuff okay now let's 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 discuss the next process of the central dogma which is the transcription uh one uh, frequent question one quick question i would like to ask you people and the question uh, question is like uh, who proposed this uh, central dogma quick 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 who proposed this central dogma well the correct answer is frank is correct proposed the central dogma okay which is uh, synthesis of dna uh, synthesis of rna from dna and protein from rna okay transcription translation isn't it now let's discuss the second process after replication that is transcription 
okay the process of copying genetic information from one strand of the dna into the rna is termed as transcription okay now here also the principle of complementary governs the process of transcription except the adenosine complements now uh, now forms base pair with a uracil instead of thymine however unlike in the process of replication which once set in the total number of dna organism get duplicated in transcription only a segment of dna and only one of the strand is copied into rna this necessitates defining the boundaries that would demarcate the uh, region and the strand of dna that would be transcribed okay now why both the strands are not copied during the transcription has the simple answer first if both the strand strands act as a template they would code for rna with different sequences remember complementary does not mean identical see now just take a small example if there is a dna of uh, dna fragment of uh, bo- uh, just there are two base pairs okay ag on one strand and tc on the opposite strand okay now when this strand undergo transcription uh, only one template will uh, result into the rna formation okay so what will happen is a will get synthesized into u a u will get form and gc will get form okay so from one segment we will get a u and gc and if we try to transcribe this uh, t uh, and c then what we will get is a and g Uh, so you can see that the two uh, the two to the two template strands are uh, forming rna which is uh, complementary to each other isn't it they are not identical and uh, and in turn if they will code for protein the sequence of amino acid in the protein would be different hence one segment of the dna would be coding for two different proteins isn't it obviously like uh, this complementary base pair does not this two template uh, strand does not mean they will synthesize the same kind of protein it is not like that they will code for the different kind of protein and this would complicate the genetic information trans uh, tra- genetic information transfer machinery so this uh, it will be difficult for dna to deal with the two different kinds of protein present because of uh, synthesis from both the both the template strands so that's why there is a synthesis of just one template strand second the two rna molecules if produced simultaneously would be complementary to each other hence would form a double strand rna okay this would prevent rna from being translated into protein and the exercise of transcription would become a futile one isn't it now um rna polymerase one is a uh, for the rna and uh, rna 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 sorry rna polymerase 2 is for mrna and the rna polymerase 3 is for the synthesis of trna and uh, okay now if we talk about the transcription unit like how it uh, what is the structural unit how this how every how all this thing uh, takes place so let's see the transcription unit in dna is defined primarily by uh, the three regions in the dna which includes the promoter the structural gene and the temp- uh, and a terminate and a terminator okay now what does this uh, promoter includes so there is a, convic- a convention in defining the two strands of the dna in the structural gene of transcription unit since the two strands have opposite polarity and the dna dependent rna polymerase now this come into the picture this also catalyzes the polymerization in only one direction that is 5 prime to 3 prime just 
just like dn independent dna polymerase the strand that has the polarity between 3 prime to 5 prime acts as a template and is also referred to as the template strand as we seen in the replication process the other strand which has the polarity 5 prime to 3 prime and the sequence same as the rna except thymine at the place of uracil is 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 is, is displaced during the transcription isn't it now strangely this strand which does not code for anything is referred to as a coding strand <laughs> quite antagonistic you know like the strand which does not code for anything is considered as the coding strand all the reference point while defining a transcription unit is made with the coding strand to explain the point let us see the hypothetical sequence see that the, the, there is there is uh, one template strand and one is a coding strand but uh, uh, this coding strand coding strand not gonna get uh, replicated okay so see what's happening let's see this uh, let's read this first and uh, then we will discuss this diagram as well the promoter in a terminator flank the structural gene in a transcription unit are there in a transcriptional unit the promoter is said to be located towards the 5 prime end uh, or the upstream of the structural gene the reference is made with respect to the polarity of a coding strand it is a dna segment sequence that provides a binding site for rna polymerase and it is the presence of a promoter in a transcription unit that also defines the template encoding strand by switching in the po- it's switching its position with terminator the definition of a coding and a template strand could be reversed the terminator is located towards the 3 prime and downstream of the coding strand and it usually defines the end of the process of transcription okay now there are additional regulatory sequences that may be present further upstream or the downstream to the promoter some of the properties of this sequences shall be discussed by dealing with the regulation of gene expression now uh, now let's discuss this uh, tr- uh, transcription unit which is given in this diagram this promoter is present in the 5 prime to 3 prime direction and uh, it includes one uh, uh, sequence like uh, tata or the tata box is present which is also known as these uh, hognes box and uh, so what actually happens is promoter uh, initiate or the sigma factor initiates this transcription process and the structural gene is present then template strand and they all uh, synthesize the complementary strand uh, okay Uh, which is just like the coding strand just uh, the difference is uh, this uh, t is replaced by u uh, okay so this is what happens and when this uh, when in they uh, when this mechanism or this when this process reach to at terminator end this or the row factor that row factor comes into the picture and the process ceases there now let's see how this transcription unit and the gene uh, works a gene is defined as a functional unit of inheritance though there is not ambiguity that the genes are located on the dna it is difficult to literally define a gene in terms of a dna sequence the dna sequence coding for a trna or rna molecules also define a gene however by defining a cistron as a segment of dna coding for a polypeptide the structural gene in a transcription unit could be seen said as a monocystronic so remember this in case of uh, uh, in case of eukaryotes uh, there is monocystronic dna and in case of uh, prokaryotes we see the polycystonic condition okay 
in eukaryotes uh, the monosystonic structural genes have interrupted coding sequences the genes in eukaryotes are the split genes okay the coding sequences or the express sequences are defined as the exons exons are said to be those sequences that appear in a mature or the process rna the exons are interrupted by introns as well now what are introns introns are the intervening sequences do not appear in the mature or the um, or the processed rna the split gene arrangement further complicates the definition of gene in terms of dna segments so here comes the process uh, here comes the uh, splicing and uh, all those kind of stuff inheritance of a character is also affected by promoter in a regular sequence of a structural gene hence sometimes the regulatory sequence are loosely defined as a regulatory genes even though the sequences do not code for any rna or protein now let's see the types of rna in the process of transcription so in bacteria there are basically three major types of rna which includes mrna which is messenger rna trna or the transfer rna and the rna or the ribosomal rna all three rnas are needed to be synthesized uh, a protein are needed to synthesize a protein in a cell the mrna uh, provides the template uh, trna tr, see what what does this mrna do mrna provides the template trna is also known as the transfer rna so it brings amino acid and it also reads the genetic code and uh, rna plays the structural and the catalytic role during the translation so quite important this three statements there is a single dna dependent dna sorry dna dependent rna polymerase that catalyzes the transcription of all types of rna in bacteria rna polymerase binds to promoter and initiate transcription or initiation it uses nucleoside triphosphate as substrate and polymerizes in a template dna dependent fashion following the rule of complementary okay it somehow it somehow also facilitates opening of the helix and continuous elongation only a short stretch of rna remains bound to the enz- uh, bound to the enzymes once the polymerase reaches the terminator region the nascent rna folds off so also the rna polymerase this results in the termination or the uh, termination of transcription process as interviewing question is that how this rna polymerase Uh, polymerase able to catalyze all the three steps which are the initiation elongation and the termination so the rna polymerase is only capable of catalyzing the process of elongation okay so the function of rna polymerase is only to elongate this process it associated transiently with the initiation factor and and the termination factor what is this initiation factor which is the sigma and the termination factor is the rho uh, these are basically used to initiate in the term terminate the transcription process uh, association with this factors also uh, also association with this factor alter the specific uh, specificity of the rna polymerase to either initiate or terminate in bacteria since the mrna does not require any processing to become active and also since transcription and translation takes place in the same compartment there is no separation of systole and the nucleus in bacteria many a times the translation can begin much before the mrna is fully transcribed consequently the transcription and the translation can be coupled in bacteria okay now let's discuss about this uh, process of uh, tra- uh, transcription in case of eukaryotes okay 
so it's little uh, different from prokaryotes because prokaryotes don't have uh, any kind of introns but uh, we eukaryotes have so our process is little uh, different one so let's go through it there are at least three rna polymerase in the nucleus in addition to the rna polymerase found in the organelles there is a clear cut division of labor we already uh, uh, Okay, now let's discuss this. The RNA polymer is one transcribes the RNAs which are which we already dis dis discussed. Isn't isn't it? We already wrote this uh, uh, stuff like RNA polymerase is for RNA, RNA polymerase two is for mRNA, RNA polymerase three is for the tRNA. So the RNA subunits are twenty eight S, eighteen S, and the five point eight S. Whereas the RNA polymerase three. is responsible for the transcription of tRNA which includes the uh, name tRNA 5S RNA RNA and uh, snRNA which is the small nuclear RNAs the RNA polymerase 2 transcribe the precursor of mRNA which are which is the actual transcription process uh, the heterogeneous nuclear rna means uh, the function uh, the function of uh, different kind of rna polymerase is given make sure you people are aware of it so well now the second complexity is that the primary uh, primary transcripts contains both the exon and the introns and are non functional okay hence it is subjected to a process called as splicing where the introns are removed and exons are and exons are joined in the defined defined order heteronuclear rna undergoes additional process called as the capping and tailing what happens in capping is an unusual nucleotide known as the methyl gonosine triphosphate is added to the 5 prime end of the heteronuclear rna remember the chemical name okay remember the uh, new uh, name of nucleotide which is a uh, methyl gonosine triphosphate methyl gonosine triphosphate which is uh, added to the 5 prime end of the heteronuclear rna and uh, in case of tailing adenine adenylate uh, residues of around 200 to 300 base pairs are added to the at 3 prime end in a template independent uh, manner okay it is the fully processed heteronuclear rna now known as mrna that is transport trans- transported out of the nucleus for translation okay now the significance of such complexities is now beginning to be understood the split gene arrangement represents probably an ancient feature of the genome the presence of introns is reminiscent of antiquity and the process of splicing represents the dominance of rna world in recent times the understanding of rna in rna dependent processes in the living system have assumed more importance now it's quite easy stuff we gonna talk about genetic code quite uh, easy stuff and uh, now the major portion remaining in this chapter is to discuss the translation process this trna or the adapter molecule is also quite easy but this the translation is the ba- uh, major uh, major part remaining then regulation of gene expression is also quite easy and the lacoperon is also little uh, quite important and heavy part of this chapter as human genome is again the light section you just have to go through it once and uh, then comes this dna fingerprinting which is our favorite topic cid and all so yes we will discuss the genetic code in the next segment till then keep studying people now let's discuss this genetic code 
During replication and transcription, a nucleic acid was copied to form another nucleic acid. Hence, this process are very are easy to conceptualize on the basis of complementarity. The process of translation requires a transfer of genetic information from a polymer of nucleotides to form a polymer of amino acids. Neither does any complementarity exist between nucleotides and amino acids, nor could any be drawn theoretically. There exist ample evidences. Though, to support the notion that change in the nucleic acid or the genetic material were responsible for the change in amino acid and proteins. So, they are direct, uh, indirectly related to each other. This led to the proposition of a genetic code that could direct the sequence of amino acid during the synthesis of proteins. So, uh, there was one scientist known as uh, come, uh, come up on it, like George Gamow, who, who discovered this uh, triplet codon kind of stuff. We will uh, uh, discuss that um, uh, just, just, just in a few minutes. If determining uh, the biochemical nature of genetic material and the structure of DNA was very exciting. The proposition and deciphering of a genetic code was most challenging one. Okay, in a very true sense, it required involvement of scientists from various uh, several disciplines like physicists, organic uh, chemists, biochemists and genetics too. Uh, it was George Gamow who, who was a physicist who argued that since there was only four basis uh, and if they have to code for a 20 amino acids the code should initiate constitute a combination of a basis he suggested that in order to code for all the 20 amino acids the code should be made up of three nucleotides this was very bold proposition because a permutation combination of 4 to the power 3 that is 4 into 4 into 4 would generate around 64 codons generating many more codons than required providing a proof that the codon was a triplet and uh, was a more donating task the chemical method developed by a hergobin korana or the korana you may say or the korana uh, it was that uh, 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 instrumental uh, was instrumental in synthesizing RNA molecules with a defined combination of bases or the homopolymers and the copolymers. Then comes this Marshall Nirenberg's uh, cell-free system for protein synthesis finally had the code to be deciphered. So Severo-Okau enzyme, uh, which is the polynucleotide phosphorylase, was also helpful in polymerizing RNA with defined sequence. Remember, uh, Severo-Okau enzyme which is the quite underrated statement of NCRT, we most of the time ignore it. So, Severo Ocas enzyme or the polynucleotide phosphorylase was also helped in polymerizing RNA with defined sequence in a template in uh, independent manner or the enzyme synthesize, uh, synthesizing uh, this uh, mRNA sorry synthesize of RNA not not mRNA finally a checkerboard for genetic code was prepared in which uh, which is given in our figure or the table you may say okay so you can you can see that there are 64 types of uh, cordons given here but it is that uh, one uh, same amino acid is uh, denoted by four different kinds of codes so yeah it makes sense okay now let's uh, discuss the salient features of a genetic code 
okay now the gordon is in tip triplet from them 61 codons code for amino acid and 3 codons not code for any amino acids hence they function as a stop codon okay some amino acids are coded by coded by more than one codon hence this code is degenerate some amino acids are coded by more than one codon it can be either 2 it can be either 3 it can be either 4 so it depends so the code is degenerate the codon is read in mrna in a continuous fashion there is there are no punctuation like you can't see u comma c comma u it's completely continuous like u c u uh, so it is comma less the code is nearly universal like you want see like if uh, aug is coding for methionine in, in case of humans then in case of cat dog or cow uh, methionine would code for aug only nothing else okay for example from bacteria to human uuu would code for phenylalanine some exception to this rule have been found in mitochondrial codons and in some protozoans so exceptions are there now aug has a dual function it code for methionine as well and it is also act as a initiator codon and the uag uaa and uga these are the three codons which act as the stop or the terminator stop terminator codons now try to answer the few question which are given here it's quite easy so pause the session and try to answer those question it's quite easy so i won't discuss them now let's see the mutation and the genetic code the relationship between the genes and the dna are based understood by the mutation studies you have studied about mutation and its effect in the chapter 5 so well effects of large deletion and the rearrangement in a segments of a dna are easy to comprehend it may result in the loss or the gain of a gene and so function isn't it the effect of point mutation will be explained here like the sickle cell anemia one case a classical example of point mutation is a change of a single base pair in the gene for a beta globulin chain that results in a change of amino acid residue glutamate to valine it results into a disease condition called as the sickle cell anemia effect of point mutation that inserts or deletes bases structural gene can be better understood by the following simple example so let's let's look upon this okay so dam has a red cap okay now if we replace this uh, um if you try to rearrange this uh, uh, term by including one more letter b between has and red so definitely this uh, uh, amino acid gonna get affected like we will get new amino acids isn't it uh, okay now similarly if we now insert two letters at the same place then it will again form the different kind of amino acid if three letters then again something different so uh you can say that this insertion or the deletion result into the, some kind of new stuff so the conclusion from the above exercise is very obvious insertion or deletion of one or the two bases change the reading frame from the point of insertion or the deletion however such mutation are referred to as the frame shift insertion or uh deletion mutation it can be frame shift frame shift insertion or the frame shift deletion insertion or deletion of three or its multiple base inserts or delete in one or the multiple codon hence one or multiple amino acids hence reading frame remains unaltered from that point onwards see if if complete three uh three three uh what we can say three bases are added then 
uh, it won't affect the later amino acids you know if three amino acids are added in a sequence then they won't alter the remaining amino acid uh, amino acids chain because they will just get pushed a little their position will get changed but they won't uh, they won't uh, uh, code for something else you can clearly see that you will see that if big was inserted between has and red so we we got a new statement which was like ram has a big red cap and earlier it was like ram has a red cap so the thing is only this one new amino acid will get inserted inserted in between so that's uh, that's the only difference which you will find now let's discuss this transfer rna or the trna so now let's see this from the very beginning the proposition of code it was it was clear to frankis crick that there has to be a mechanism to read the code and also to link it to the amino acid because amino acids have no structural specialities to read the code uh, uniquely so he postulated the presence of an adapter molecule that would on one hand read the code and on the other hand would uh, uh, bind to a specific amino acid the trna then called as the srna or the soluble rna was known before the genetic code was postulated however its role as an adapter molecule was assigned much later trna has an anticodon loop that has a basis complementary to the code and it also has an amino acid acceptor and to which it binds to amino acids like uh, trna are specific for the uh, each amino acid okay so for in uh, like they can read the code okay so we already uh, read this in the functional function part for initiation there is another specific trna that is referred to as initiator trna there are no trnas for stop codons in figure 6.12 you can see that the secondary structure of trna has been de- uh, depicted that looks somewhat like a clover leaf to uh, in a actual uh, actual structure okay so the trna is compact molecule which looks like the inverted l okay now uh, let's discuss the next important part of this uh, chapter which is the process of translation translation refers to the process of polymerization of amino acids to form a polypeptide the order and the sequence of amino acids are defined by the sequence of bases uh, uh, in the mrna the amino acids are uh, joined by the bond which is known as the peptide bond formation of uh, peptide bond requires uh, energy okay therefore in the first phase itself amino acids are activated uh, by the process of atp by the sorry in the presence of atp uh, and uh, linked to their cognate acids uh, and linked to their cognate uh, trna a process commonly called as the charging of trna or the aminosylation of trna to be more specific if 
two such charged DRNA are brought close to enough, the formation of a peptide bond between uh, them would be favored energetically. The presence of a catalyst would enhance the rate of peptide bond formation. The cellular factory responsible for the synthesis pro- synthesizing protein is the ribosome. The ribosome consists of a structural RNA and about 80 different proteins. Okay, in its inactive state, it exists as a two subunits, a large subunit and a small subunit. When the small subunit encounters in mRNA, the process of translation of the mRNA to protein begins. There are two sites in the large uh, subunit for subsequent amino acids uh, to bind to and thus be close enough to each other for the formation of uh, pept- uh, for the formation of a peptide bone the ribosome also acts as a catalyst or the 23s rna in bacteria uh, is is the enzyme okay the ribosome for the formation uh, for the formation of a peptide bond now a translation unit in the mrna is the uh, sequence of rna that is flanked by the start codon which is AUG and the stop codon uh, and codes for the polypeptide we already know the stop codon UAA, UAG and UGA and mRNA also has some additional sequences that are not translated and are referred to as the untranslated region or the UTR the UTRs are present uh, at both the 5 prime and and before the start codon and at the 3 prime and after the stop codon they are uh, uh, required for the efficient translation process okay if uh, if there are no utr region then uh, 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 full segment of dna full segment of every segment of rna will get transcribed sorry will get translated and uh, even when we want require protein uh, that protein too will get synthesized so uh, to stop the uh, synthesize of high amount of protein this UTR are present for initiation the ribosome binds to the mRNA at the start codon AUG that is recognized only by the initiator tRNA the ribosome proceeds to the elongation phase of a protein synthesis during this stage complexes composed of an amino acids are linked SS is linked to the tRNA sequentially bind to the appropriate colon in mRNA by forming the complementary base pairs with the mRNA or the tRNA anticolon. The ribosome moves from colon to colon along the mRNA. Amino acids are added one by one, translated into polypeptide sequences uh, dictated by the DNA and represented by mRNA at the end of a release factor binds to the stop colon, terminating translation and release the complete polypeptide from the ribosome we'll discuss the regulation of uh, gene expression in the next segment uh, in uh, along with the lake operon and the remaining stuff now let's conclude translation as well 
so what happens in translation is a protein gets synthesized so how it uh, gets synthesized we already discussed that but to uh, what's uh, what's the actual conclusion so the conclusion is this amino acids uh, joined together by a bond known as the peptide bond and this uh, formation of peptide bond requires energy and uh, one more thing is that how this uh, actual uh, how this thing actually happens so there is a, a factory kind of stuff the basically this ribosomes are responsible for the synthesis of protein so there are basically two subunits one is the larger subunit and the smaller subunit so what does the small subunit subunit do is this small subunit translates uh, see the small subunit uh, Uh, what we can say initiates or uh, yeah initiates this mrna for the translation of mrna to protein with the help of this small unit this translation of mrna mrna into protein begins and the larger subunit has the two further uh, sites uh, which is uh, basically uh, where basically this amino acids bind and uh, uh, the close enough and they are close see this amino acid it bind to each other in the larger subunit uh, sites and they are so close enough that they they form the uh, peptide bond and due to which this uh, protein gets synthesized okay the ribosome also act as a catalyst uh, in a bacteria uh, the enzyme like riboenzyme for the formation of peptide bond in case of bacteria so the thing is to form the uh, protein what happens is in the larger subunit there are two more sites present two more uh, sites are or the, you can say the subunits you we can't use the term subunits but site site would be the perfect word i would say uh, the two sites are present uh, inside this larger subunit so they are close enough that they bind or they connect the two amino acids with the peptide bond which results in the formation of protein okay So this is what uh, the all over conclusion is and this initiation begins from the AUG segment and ends at the uh, what we can say UAG UAA and UGA which are the stop codon isn't it so now let's discuss the regulation of gene expression so yeah regulation of a gene expression refers to a very broad term that may occur at the various levels so regulation happens uh, at uh, every point like checkbox is quite necessary plays a very important like accuracy uh, is necessary otherwise mutation will take place and uh, the next generation has to suffer or uh, it, it, it is not always like next generation has to suffer there can be a good mutation as well or there can be so uh, what we can say a virulent kind of mutation where uh, uh, next generation even can suffer like in case of any kind of diseases or uh, one never know what gonna happen if mutation happens so suddenly so regulation uh, has to be there so considering that gene expression result in the formation of polypeptide it can be regulated at the several levels in eukaryotes the regulation could be exerted at the transcription level formation of primary transcript processing sec first is at the transcription level second is at the processing level like regulation of splicing removing of uh, removal of introns and all though it is not present in uh, prokaryotes but it is present in case of eukaryotes transport of mrna from nucleus to the cytoplasm and the fourth is a translation level finally isn't it now
now let's uh, see uh, the uh, the gene uh, now let's move forward uh, the genes in a cell are expressed to perform a particular function or a set of function for example if an enzyme called beta galactosidase we are uh, quite common or a popular example if an enzyme called beta galactosidase is synthesized by e coli and it is used to catalyze the hydrolysis of a disaccharide uh, lactose into galactose and glucose the bacteria use them as a source of energy hence if the bacteria do not have a lactose around them to be utilized for energy source they would no longer require the synthesis of the enzyme beta galactosidase obviously so what was the function of get beta galactosidase it was like a uh, to digest this uh, lactose into galactose and glucose but if there is no lactose present then there is no need of beta galactosidase quite simple therefore in simple terms it is the metabolic physiologic or, or the environmental condition that regulate the expression of genes isn't it now the development and the differentiation of embryo into adult organisms are also a result of the coordinated regulation of the expression of several sets of genes in prokaryotes control of the rate of transcriptional initiation is the predominant site for the control of gene expression in a transcription unit the activity of rna polymerase at a given promoter is in turn regulated by interaction with accessory protein which affect its ability to recognize uh, start site this re- regulatory proteins can act both positively like as uh, activators and negatively uh, or as the repressor depending upon the kind of situation which is uh, there the accessibility of promoter region regions of prokaryotic dna in as in many cases regulated by the interaction of protein with the sequences termed as operators the operator gene uh, operator region is ad- adjacent to the promoter element in most operons and in most cases the sequence of the uh, operator binary repressor protein each operon has its specific operator and a specific repressor for example lac operator is present only in the lac operon and it interacts specifically with the lac rep- present only so uh, it depends like uh, what is the demand what is the situation what uh, what is the requirement so uh, so this operon kind of or the operate, operator kind of system works upon the two things one is the repressor and the second is the promoter we will discuss this uh, lac operon as the sample kind of uh, operator kind of stuff uh, here there are many kind of operator it's not just lack operon there are many kind of opera- operons of getting operated in, inside the inside the organism but here we are discussing just the one lack operon so let's uh, see what uh, how 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 it actually works so see the lack operon the elucidation of the lack operon was also a result of a close association between a genetist which was uh, Francois Jacob and a biochemist Jack Monat Monat okay so this cannot be uh, done this 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 thing cannot be discovered just uh, with the help of just just by the work of uh, b- biologist or what uh, what we can say genetics Uh, so here we also require the work of uh, what we can say this uh, discovery of ro- uh, lac operon kind of stuff also uh, has the ro- role of uh, chemist as well because it's not the uh, complete job of uh, just only genetics but chemist should also support this uh, genetics to move to move to 
uh, what we can say uh, c- conclude the experiment like to perform the experiment uh, only ge- genetics genetics only alone cannot perform this experiment okay so uh, they were the first to elucidate a transcriptionally regulated system in lac operon here the lac refers to the lactose a polycystic structural gene is regulated by a common promoter and a regulatory genes such arrangement is very common in bacteria and is termed as the operon the two name uh, to name few such examples uh, operon uh, there are many kind of operon see i told you like lac operon is there trp operon is there ra operon is there his operon is there val operon is there like valine crypto etc etc ah, his store operon etc etc so many operons are there okay now let's discuss this uh, lac operon uh, quite important paragraph this is quite important paragraph even for uh, board point of view and even for neat point of view like many time a question comes like what this z side coach for what this y coach for so just make sure you are hearing this calf very carefully the lac operon consists of one regulatory gene how many just one okay one regulatory gene which is the i gene and this i here does not refer to the inducer but uh rather it is derived from the word inhibitor okay okay so don't get confused i is not inducer i is actually the inhibitor it has just only one gene and that too that one regulatory gene that is the i gene which does not code for inducer okay it codes for the inhibitor remember this okay and 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 three structural genes are involved and those three structural genes are z y and a now uh the i gene codes for the repressor of the uh repressor of the lac operon so inhibitor and repressor uh, sort of similar stuff function isn't it so this i gene codes for the repressor of the lac operon and the z gene codes for the beta galactosidase and uh, see remember uh, z gene codes for the beta galactosidase for the synthesis of beta galactosidase whose function is to convert lactose into uh, glucose and galactose and which is primary responsible for the hydrolysis of disaccharide lactose into its monomeric units galactose and glucose which we just uh, 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 learned few 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 minutes ago the, then 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 comes this y gene the y gene codes for the permease which increase the permeability of the cell to beta galactosidase quite important function so y gene permeates the uh, synthesis of uh, no you can we can say the synthesis uh, better would be the increases the permeability like it allows or uh, what we can say it increase the permeability of cell like it allows beta galactosidase beta galactosidase to enter into the cell so y gene codes for permease uh, enzyme okay now uh, then comes this uh, a gene which codes for the uh, transacetylase so hence all these three gene produces uh, these genes products in the lac operon are required for the metabolism of lactose like if uh, if z gene is not there then beta galactosidase will uh, beta galactosidase won't be there and uh, if y gene is not there then the enough amount of uh, beta gal- beta galactosidase would not get transferred inside the uh, inside the uh, cell and a gene also codes for transacetylase so in most of most other operon as well as as well the gene present in the operon are needed to together to function in the same or the related metabolic pathway quite 
unstable isn't it now lactose is a substrate for the enzyme beta galactosidase obviously substrate like the reactant you may use the word okay uh, for the enzyme beta galactosidase and it regulates the switching on and off of the epiron hence it is termed as the inducer inducer matlab इंड्यूजर मतलब कि इंड्यूजर मीन्स लाइक समथिंग वो इनिशिएट्स लाइक इफ समन आस्क यू अगेन एंड अगेन गो स्टडी गो स्टडी गो स्टडी गो 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 स्टडी गो स्टडी सो दिस इज कंसिडर एज द इंड्यूसिंग पुशिंग काइंड ऑफ स्टफ ओके लेक्टोज इज अ सबस्ट्रेट फॉर द एंजाइम बैटा गेलेक्ट्रोसिडेट इट इज कंसिडर एज द इंड्यूसर लाइक लेक्टोज इज द वन वो पुशिज दिस बैटा गेलेक्ट्रोसिडेस टू वर्क फॉर द इन द एबसेंस ऑफ प्रीफर्ड कार्बन सोर्स सच एज ग्लूकोज इफ लेक्टोज इज प्रोवाइडेड इन द ग्रोथ मीडियम ऑफ बैक्टीरिया द लेक्टोज इज ट्रांसपोर्टेड इन टू द सेल्स टू द एक्शन ऑफ परमीएस रिमेंबर वेरी low level of the expression of the leg operon has to be present in the cell all the time otherwise lactose cannot enter the cell see if uh, if this leg operon is at uh, present there at very high level then uh, imagine what going to happen every time this lactose will get uh, what we can say hydrolyzed into its uh, monomers like galactose and glucose so uh, this will like exhaust the cell like how we will get energy kind of stuff so then uh, the lactose lactose then induces the operon in the following manner so how actually everything works so there is negative feedback as well positive feedback as well depending upon the kind of situation the reparation of the pro- operon is synthesized all the time like constitutively uh, from the ign the repressor protein binds to the operator region of the operon and prevents rna polymerase from transcribing the operon in the presence of an inducer such as lactose or allolactose the repressor is inactivated by interaction with the inducer this allows the rna polymerase uh, access to the promoter and transcription proceeds essentially the regulation of lac operon can also be visualized as a regulation of enzyme synthesized by its uh, substrate see this paragraph is quite important uh, probably you may didn't get the uh, what it is written in the one go so let's read this paragraph again see what is written let's read it quite slowly the repressor of the operon okay repressor matlab the one who is inhibiting okay inhibiting is synthesized all the time okay to uh, to stop the uh, uh, breakdown of lactose okay from the ign the repressor protein binds to the operator region of the operon and prevents this rna polymerase from transcribing the operon to stop this hydrolyze okay in the presence of an inducer such as lactose or allolactose the repressor is inactivated by interaction with the inducer and uh, to inhibit the function of repressor like when we actually need to uh, hydrolyze the lactose at that time this uh, repressor is uh, actually getting uh, what we can say um, Repre- uh, repressor is getting interacted with uh, uh, inducer and it, and it's getting inactivated uh, and at, 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 at that time this uh, inducer comes into the picture like they win the match and they do their role okay so when this repressor when the amount of uh, what you can say when the amount of inducer is high compared to the repressor at that time this process of lack operant proceeds otherwise the repressor uh, continues its uh, process like they it it it, it won't allow uh, beta galactosidase to perform its function it won't allow the uh, 
it won't allow the uh, transcription process so now regulation of the lack of operon by repressor is referred to as the negative uh, regulation see regulation of a lack of operon by repressor is referred to as the negative regulation lack of operon is under the control of a positive regulation as well but it is beyond the scope of the discussion at this level like it's quite com- confusing kind of stuff so we'll uh, discuss it in the Uh, higher section higher i i i higher classes now let's discuss this uh, diagram as well see there were three structural genes z y and a first there is uh, uh, what we can say inducer is uh, sorry yeah uh, inhibitor i mean i codes for inhibitor isn't it or repressor you may say so here is the repressor mrna you can clearly see here here is the repressor rna i gene is present there then um repressor comes there and repressor binds to the operator region and it prevents the rna polymerase from transcribing the rna so lactose is absent in case one that's why this uh, repressor is doing its role and in what happens in second case there is no repressor there is inducer is present there that's why uh, this uh, lack mrna will get synthesized and the uh, transcription will uh, uh, transcription will uh, happen and then translation like synthesis of protein will take place quite uh, quite uh, quite easy stuff uh, in the second case lactose is present that's why there's a uh, uh, inducer uh, that's why this lack mrna is uh, getting formed like transcription is uh, moving forward uh, okay so that's 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 this uh, lack operon quite easy quite uh, simplified okay so now let's discuss the human genome project as well okay now the chapter is complete like almost complete you know just two topics are there human genome project and dna fingerprinting and this are like our bye hath ka khel isn't it bye hath ka khel isn't it so yeah let's let's uh, for the sake of uh, what we can say completing it let's read it like we don't want to lose marks anywhere so let's go through it once In the preceding sections you have learned that it is the sequence of bases in the DNA that determines the genetic information of a given organism in other words genetic makeup of an organism or an individual lies in the DNA sequence if two individual differ then that DNA sequence should also be different at least at some places like uh, not uh, not even uh, and not no one have the same kind of G- DNA sequence okay Th- this assumption led to the question of finding out the complete DNA sequence of a human gene quite complex isn't it we have 6.6 into 10 to the power 9 base pair in a diploid human so quite quite challenging task with the establishment of a genetic engineering techniques where it was possible to isolate and clone any piece of dna and availability of simple and fast technique for the for determining the dna sequences a very ambitious project of sequencing human genome was launched in the year 1990 okay 1990 remember this year human genome was launched in the year 1990 human genome project or the hgp was called as the mega project you can imagine the magnitude and the requirement for the project if we simply define the aim of the project as follows human genome is said to have approximately around 3 into 10 to the power 9 base pair and if the cost they didn't uh, um uh, they didn't 
decoded uh, 6.6 into 10 to the power 9 base pair because uh, if we decode half uh, half uh, genetic codes then uh, the remaining half would be the, the complementary strengths isn't it so it is given like there are 3 into 10 to the power 9 base pairs and if the cost of sequencing required is us dollar 3 per base pair then you can imagine like the total estimated cost of the project would be approximately 9 billion us dollars quite high 9 billion us dollars so quite high further if the obtained sequence were to be stored in a type of forms of uh, if they are stored if the data is stored in books uh, and if each page of the book contain 1000 letters and each book contain 1000 pages then then 3300 such books would be required to store the information of dna sequence from a single human cell okay <laughs> just a single human cell so now you can imagine like there are around million million millions of cell present inside the human body so see how complex we are the enormous amount of data expected to be generated also necessitate the use of high speed compute computed computational devices for the data storage and retrieval and analysis human genome project was closely associated with the rapid development of a new area in a biology called as the bioinformatics so the question may come like human genome project give uh, rise to which uh, field of uh, biology which era of biology which area of biology then the answer would be bioinformatics so now let's see what is what are the goals of uh, human genome project uh, in the next segment till then take care keep studying welcome back to episode people now let's continue uh some of the uh, let's continue the goals of human genome project so some of the important goals of human genome project were as follows so first first goal was to identify all the approximately around 20 to 25k genes uh, in human dna or the 20000 or 25000 genes in human dna determine second goal was to determine the sequence of 3 billion chemical base pair as the makeup human dna and then third third challenge was to store the information in databases fourth was to improve tools for data analysis fifth was to transfer related technologies to other sectors such as industries then the fifth was to address is the ethical legal and the social issues like elsi ethical legal and the social issues that may arise from the project like uh, if if once we know the sequence then one can do anything whatever we want to uh, do we can play with it like you know we can uh, do uh, our uh, mutation of our choice so uh, it was uh, it was the uh, responsibility of that body to look upon this legal ethical and the social issues as well now the human genome project was a 13 year project coordinated uh, by the us department of energy and the national institute of health during the early years of human genome project the welcome trust of united kingdom become a major partner additional contribution came from japan france germany china and others as well the project was completed in the year 2003 uh, knowledge about the effects of dna variations among individuals can lead to the revolutionary new uh, 
revolutionary new ways to diagnose treat and some day prevent the thousands disorders that affect the human beings now besides providing clues to understanding human biology learning about a known human organism dna sequences can lead to an understanding of their natural capabilities that can be applied toward uh, solving challenges in healthcare agriculture energy production environmental remediation many non human model organisms such as bacteria yeast canor herbicides uh, algaes which was a free living non pathogenic nematode drosophila which is the fruit fly plants like rice and uh, uh, arabidopsis etc have also been sequenced now what were the methodologies involved in uh, or the what are the methods involved in this uh, human genome projects the methods involved the two major approaches one was to approach the focus one one approach focused on identifying all the genes that are present as uh, rna like referred to as expressed sequence takes or the ests the other other took the blind approach of simply sequencing the whole set of genome that contain all the coding in the non coding sequences and later assigning the different regions in the sequence with function and term referred to as a sequence annotations so basically uh, et est was like uh, they uh, some or the other how they want to find the sequence of rna and the second thing was they wanted to decode each and every they wanted to decode each and every segment of this uh, uh, dna you know that was considered as the sequence and notions okay now for sequencing um the total dna from a cell is isolated and it is converted into a random fragments of a relatively smaller size recall dna is very long polymer isn't it we know that and there are technical limitation in sequencing a very long piece of dna so it is firstly isolated and it is then cloned in a suitable host uh, using specialized vectors the cloning result are we going to learn about this cloning kind of stuff in the uh, biotechnology so the cloning result into the application amplification of each species of dna fragment so that it subsequently could be sequenced with ease the commonly used host were bacteria and yeast and the vectors were called as the bacterial artificial chromosome and the yeast artificial chromosome depending upon the size of the sequence which is needed to get cloned the fragments were sequenced using the automated dna sequences that worked on the principle of method developed by the frederick sanger remember sanger is also credited for developing a method for determination of amino acid sequence in proteins as well now uh, this sequence were then arranged based on some overlapping regions present on them this required generation of overlapping fragments for sequencing alignment of this pos- uh, alignment of the sequence was humanly not possible therefore specialized computer based programs were developed this sequence were subsequently annotated and were assigned to each chromosome the sequence of chromosome 1 uh, was completed only in the may 2006 like uh, in the year 2006 and this was a uh, last of the 24 genome chromosome and 24 20, sorry 22 autosome and xy 2b sequenced so uh, tw- this uh, another 22 autosome and uh, 23rd and 24 there's uh, so, sorry 
uh, 22 autosome and 23 and uh, sorry it is then 20 i am con- i am getting confused here sorry 22 autosome and this x and y got uh, what do we can say got sequenced uh, and uh, only this first chromosome was pending so another challenging task was assigning the genetic and uh, physical maps on the genome and uh, this was see uh, why i got confused was uh, what they here said was 24 autosome sorry 22 autosome so when i uh, there are 46 chromosomes isn't it so if you uh, double 24 then the sorry if you double 22 then the result is 44 and if you add x and y then 46 this is what actually it is so i was just getting confused like if uh, if there are 22 autosome and x and y is also present so 22 will if they get double then it is 44 and if x and y will two get double then it will result into the 48 but i was just getting confused that is not the case 22 will get uh, 22 autosomes uh, which includes there's a uh, mm, what we can say uh, 44 chromosome and the two extra or the one pair which is x and y from then the first chromosome were pending and it was completed uh, in the may 2006 now another challenging task was assigning the genetic and physical maps on the genome this was generated using information on polymorphism of restriction endonuclease recognition sites and some repetitive dna sequences known as microsatellites one of the application of polymorphism in a repetitive dna sequence should solve be explained in the next section of dna fingerprinting like this is the only sequence where uh, which is unique to all other individuals like one can easily Uh, recognize uh, this dna is whose dna okay uh, victims dna or the uh, what we can say the murderers dna okay now uh, now let's see discuss the salient features of this uh, human genome project some of the salient some of the salient fe- observation drawn from the human genome project are as follows first thing is the human genome contains around 3164.7 million nucleotide bases okay 3164.7 million nucleotide bases the average gene consists of 3000 bases but sizes vary greatly with the largest non human gene being the dystrophin at 2.4 million bases quite high the total number of genes is estimated at 30000 much lower than the previous estimates of about 80000 to 1 like 40000 genes almost all or you can say the 99.9% nucleotide bases are exactly same in all people but there is just difference in 0.1% uh which is used in dna fingerprinting isn't it now the function are unknown for over 50% of the discovered genes less than 2% of the genome codes for protein and uh, another is like the genetic material or the other kind of stuff now repeated sequences make up a very large portion of the human genome repetitive sequences are stretches of dna sequence quite important line eh? listen to me repetitive sequences this line can uh, this line is important uh, in uh, dna fring- fingerprinting 
interesting uh, topic as well so see repetitive sequences are stretches of dna sequences that are repeated many times sometimes 100 to 1000 times okay now they are thought to have no direct coding function but they share light on chromosome structure dynamics and the kind of evolution so got it quite simple language is used here so i hope you got the point now chromosome 1 has the most genes which includes 2968 and the y has the fewest which is 231 now scientists have identified about 1.4 million locations where single base dna differences like snps like single which is single nucleotide polymorphism pronounced as snips occur in human beings very important line scientists have identified about 1.4 million locations where single base differences uh single base dna differences or the snips occur in humans this information promises to revolutionize the process of finding chromosomal location for disease associated sequences and tra- tracing human history now uh it's time to discuss uh application and future uh, challenges regarding this uh, human genome project so let's discuss that as well so see uh, deriving many meaningful knowledge from the dna sequence will define the re- uh, will define research though the coming decades leading to our understanding of biological system this enormous task will require the expertise and uh, creativity of tens of thousands of scientists uh, and from varied disciplines uh, including biology physics chemistry uh, what to do in both the public and the private sectors worldwide one of the greatest impacts of the having the human genome sequence may well be enabling a radical radically new approach to biological research of course in the past researchers studied one or the few genes at a time by with the whole genome sequence and a new high uh, throughput technologies uh, we can approach questions systematically uh, and on much broader scale they can study all the genes in a g- genome for example all the transcripts in a particular tissue or organ or a tumor or how tens of thousands of genes and proteins work together in interconnected networks or to orchestrate the chemistry of life so the sequence was quite important and it can be useful in various aspects we, uh, we as we discussed just uh, as we just discussed now let's see our this uh, dna fingerprinting as stated in the preceding section 99.9% of base sequence among the human is the same assuming human genome is 3 to 10 to the power 9 base pair in uh, uh, in how many base sequence would there be a difference out of 3 to 10 to the power 9 base pair how many uh, base pair would be like different in uh, uh, different from individual to individual so it is this difference in sequence of dna which make every individual so unique you can see the effect like just only zero there is difference in 0.1% still we people look so different from each other so now just imagine if there is a difference just about 0.2% so now then imagine how one individual look different from the other if there is a difference of about 0.2% so quite high enough 
isn't it so it, uh, it is this difference in the sequence of dna which makes every individual unique in their phenotypic appearance if one aims to find out the genetic difference between the two individuals or among individuals of a population sequencing the dna every time would be a daunting and expensive task imagine trying to compare two sets of 3 into 10 to the power 6 base pairs or the 10 to the power 9 base pair then the dna fingerprinting is very bad solution is there na we can't compare 3 into 10 to the power 9 base pair at every single time it would take 13 years again so uh, solution was uh, so dna fingerprinting is uh, uh, the solution it is a very quick way to compare the dna sequence of any two individual how let's discuss that dna fingerprinting involves identifying difference in some specific region in a dna sequence called as the repetitive dna because in this sequence a small stretch of dna is repeated many times this repetitive dna are separated from the bulk genomic dna as a different peaks during density gradient centrifugation the bulk dna forms a major pink peak and the other small peaks are referred to as a satellite dna okay now depending on the base composition uh, a to e, uh, at reach or the gc reach length of segment and the number of repetitive units the satellite dna is classified into many categories okay Uh, such as micro satellites and the mini satellites okay uh, this sequence normally do not code for any proteins but they form a large portion of human genome this sequence show high degree of polymorphism and the basis of dna fingerprinting see i hope you got the point see firstly this dna is extracted then this dna is uh, what do we can say uh, uh, centrifugated and uh, then peaks are formed from that you will f- see the two kinds of peak one will be the major peak and one will be the minor one the major major one peak will be containing uh, the kind of dna which is getting repeated again and again and the minor peak contains the satellite dna or you can say uh, the dna which is having micro satellites or the mini satellite kinds of stuff this sequence normally uh, that sequence uh, do not kind uh, code for any kind of protein but uh, they uh, form large portion of human genome okay so this sequence show high degree of polymorphism like there is a uh, quite high variation seen in case of the satellite dna it is not like un- this is completely opposite to the repetitive dna and from the and this this satellite dna forms the basis of this dna fingerprinting since dna from every tissue such as blood hair follicle skin bone saliva sperm etc from an individual so some so the same same degree of polymorphism they become very useful and the identification tool in the forensic application okay now further as the polymorphism are inheritable from parents to children then DNA fingerprinting is the basis of paternity testing in case of disputes. So, as polymorphism in DNA sequence is the basis of genetic mapping of human genome as well as of DNA fingerprinting, it is essential that we understand what DNA polymorphism means in the simple terms. So, polymorphism it's the variation at genetic level which arises due to mutation and it is of around just 0.1%, okay? So, not an issue. new mut- mutation may arise in an individual either in a somatic cell or in the germ cell if 
If a germ cell mutation does not seriously impair individual's ability to have offsprings who can transmit the mutation, it can spread to the other member of population through a sexual reproduction. Allele again recalls the definition of allele, which allele sequence variation has traditionally been discovered as a DNA polymorphism. If more than one variant of allele at a locus occurs in a human population with a frequency greater than 0.01, in simple terms, if an inheritable mutation is observed in a population at a high frequency, it is referred to as a DNA polymorphism. The probability of such variation to be observed in non-coding DNA sequences would be higher as mutation in this sequence may not have any uh, immediate effect or impact in an individual's reproductive ability. So in uh, germ cell, this kind of uh, uh, DNA polymorphism is not seen, but you will see this kind of uh, variation in uh, non-coding DNA sequence for sure. This mutation keep on accumulating generation after generation and form on the form one of the bases uh, of variability or the polymorphism and that's why we uh, we are evolving gradually uh, there is a variety of different types of polymorphism ranging from a single nucleotide change to a very large scale changes for evolution and speciation such polymorphism play a very important role and you will study this uh, in details at higher classes for sure if we pursue in this field the technique of DNA fingerprinting was initially developed by the uh, Alec Jeffrey. He used a satellite DNA as a probe that shows a very high degree of polymorphism and it was called as a variable number of tandem repeats or the VNTR sequence. This technique was as used earlier in world a southern, southern blotting hybridization which uh, using the radio labeled VNTR as a probe. What it includes, what it, what it included was uh, first step was isolation of DNA. Remember this are the steps of DNA fingerprinting. So first step is the isolation of DNA. Second is the digestion of DNA, digestion of DNA by restriction endonuclease. Uh, then the third thing is separation of DNA fragments by uh, uh, electrophoresis. Uh, uh, you must be wondering like why are we digesting like we are breaking down this DNA into the smaller parts with the help of this restriction endonuclease then there is a separation of DNA fragments by electrophoresis then there is a fourth point that is the we will uh, we will uh, learn about this uh, points in detail in uh, biotechnology chapter uh, electrophoresis what is that gel electrophoresis etc etc transferring or the blotting of separated DNA there are four, many types of blotting southern blotting northern blotting western blotting eastern blotting we will discuss them in biotech chapter transferring blotting of separated dna fragments to synthetic membranes such as nitrocellulose or the nylon hybridization using labeled vntr probe and detection of hybridized dna fragments by autoradiography a schematic representation of a dna fingerprinting is, sh- is shown in figure uh, 6.16 you can clearly see that uh, how it is getting uh, matched with the uh, DNA of uh, what we can say um, victim and the criminal 
So the VNDR belongs to a class of satellite DNA and referred to as a mini satellite. A small DNA sequence is arranged randomly in many copy numbers. The copy number varies from chromosome to chromosome in an individual. The number of repeat show a very high degree of polymorphism. As a result, the size of the VNDR varies in a size from 0.1 to 20 kilobase pair. Consequently, after hybridization with VNDR probe, the autoradiogram gives many bands of different size. This bands give a characteristic pattern for an individual DNA. So these are the bands which actually identifies who is the criminal. These bands give criminal or a, a parent any kind of dispute like uh, these bands are the solution okay these bands give a characteristic pattern for an individual dna it differs from individual to individual in a population except in case of monozygotic or the identical twins the sensitivity of the technique has been increased by use of polymerase chain reaction or the pcr which we gonna learn in the biotech chapter consequently dna from a single cell is enough to perform dna fingerprinting analysis in addition to application in forensic science it has much wider applications such as in determining population and genetic diversities as well. Currently, many different probes are used to generate DNA fingerprints. Okay, so let's just uh, look upon this uh, diagram. Here, there is a paternal chromosome and one maternal chromosome, isn't it? Okay, now look at chromosome number 7 uh, this uh, uh, one is for, for individual A and another is for individual B one is the paternal chromosome everyone has two chromosome one is the paternal one and another one is the maternal one so for the individual A it is somewhat like this and for the individual B it is somewhat like that okay now uh, DNA from a crime scene what we got in crime scene was uh, um, somewhat like this see it is DNA from crime scene is actually resembling the uh, sequence or the bands are having the size similar to the DNA from individual B uh, so you can say that the criminal or the individual which we are looking for is individual B not A because the bands are not actually matching okay so this is how this DNA fingerprinting works so now here we are completed uh, here we completed this chapter as well quite a long journey isn't it now let's uh, go through the summary as well uh, nucleic acids are the long polymers of nucleotides while DNA stores the genetic information RNA mostly helps in transfer and expression of information though DNA and RNA both function as a genetic material but DNA being a chemically and structurally more stable is a better genetic material however RNA is the first to evolve and DNA was derived from RNA okay the hallmark of the double stranded helical structure of DNA is the hydrogen bonding between the bases for roam the opposite strands the rule is that adenine pairs with thymine through two hydrogen bonds and gonine with cytosine through three hydrogen bonds this makes one strand complementary to the other the DNA replicates semi-conservatively the process is guided by the complementary hydrogen bonding a segment of DNA that codes for RNA may, may, in a simplistic term, can be referred as a gene. During transcription, also one of the strands of DNA acts as a template to direct the synthesis of complementary RNA. In bacteria, the transcribed mRNA is functional, hence can directly be translated. In eukaryotes, the gene is a split. 
the coding sequence exons and uh, exons are interrupted by non-coding sequence introns and introns have to undergo or they are removed and exons are joined to produce a functional rna by the process called as splicing which include methylation capping tailing etc uh, etc et uh, the messenger rna contains the base sequences that are read in a combination of three to make a triplet genetic code to code for an amino acid the genetic code is read again on the principle of complementarity by the trna that act as an adapter molecule there are specific trna for every amino acid the trna binds to specific amino acid at one end and pairs through hydrogen bonding with with codes on mrna through its anticortons the site of translation or the protein synthesis is ribosome which bind to mrna and provide a platform for joining of amino acids one of the rna one of the rrna act as a catalyst catalyst for peptide bond formation which is an example of rna enzyme or the ribozyme translation is a process that has evolved around rna indicating that the life began about around rna since transcription and the translation are energetically very expensive processes this have to be tightly regulated regulation of transcription is the primary step for the regulation of gene expression in bacteria more than one gene is arranged together and regulated in a unit called as the operon like operon is a prototype operon in bacteria which codes by the codes for a gene responsible for the metabolism of lactose the operon is regulated by the amount of lactose in the medium where the bacteria are grown therefore the dysregulation can also be viewed as a regulation of enzyme synthesized by its substrate okay human uh, which we discussed very well in the in our earlier segments human genome project was a mega project that aimed to sequence every base in a human genome this was started in the year 1990 and combined was completed in the year 2003 this project has yielded much new information many new area and avenues have opened up as a consequence of the project dna fingerprinting is a technique to find out variation in individuals of a population at dna level it works on the principle of polymorphism in a dna sequences it has has immense immense application in the field of forensic science genetic biodiversity and evolutionary biology and here we are done with the very heavy chapter of biology grade 12 so kudos to you all people now uh, take a little break and go back to your studies again after a little while take care bye bye and keep studying okay people